Well, good morning. We are now in Palm Sunday, and next week is Easter Sunday. We are thrilled that we can still meet together. Uh, we usually have such big, uh, big productions for, for Good Friday and for Easter, but uh, here we are, it, it scaled down and in our own homes, and uh, it's, it's just me on camera with you in your home. So there's something kind of exciting about doing something very simple for a change. And really the focus now is utterly and completely on the scripture and on Jesus Christ, which is, uh, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing at all. So my prayer is that as we talk today about hope and next week as well, that your hearts would be just full of joy, full of gladness, and full of hope. For a lot of us, hope is an abstract term. We're not exactly sure what that means. My prayer today is that you'll not only understand it, but that your heart will be full to overflowing with the hope that comes from Christ. We're talking, of course, from that text called Jesus' Triumphant Entry from Matthew chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you, you do, you'll open them up together and pre prepare to follow along. When Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on the, the colt of a donkey, it's, a, it's a, a, young, a young donkey, people were filled with amazing, amazing hope. They believed that their Messiah had finally come to them. Riding on a donkey, they recognized instantly a fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. And let me just share that passage of scripture with you. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This is a day of great hope and great joy for Jerusalem. You can hear the buzz and the excitement. Hosanna to the son of of David. Praise God. Hallelujah. Our God is among us. Things are better and they're going to get better. Hope has sprung to life. Now, I'm going to explain a little bit more about this in just a few moments, but let me just say uh, or tell you a few words about what what some of the medical experts have said about hope, just to give you a context and help you understand how important hope is. Dr. Dale Archer said, if I could find a way to package and dispense hope, I would have a pill more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. Hope is often the only thing between man and the abyss. As long as a patient, individual, or victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. Well, that's, those are very powerful words. That's a powerful statement that this doctor has made concerning hope. It is, it is a powerful, powerful antidote to the depression and the despair that grips the hearts of so many people. I'm sure that you recognize how timely this message is for a time such as this. Some of you right now have lost your jobs. Uh, some, you have no idea when you're going back. You don't know uh, really how you're going to make ends meet. Some of you, your businesses are suffering. 
some may even have, uh, have flu symptoms, and maybe some of you are, are right now in terror that you are going to be gripped by this. Well, this morning what I want to do is I want to give you the Word of God and hopefully let hope arise in your heart. So you recognize that we are uh, we're, we're at God's mercy. We're not at the mercy of the government. We're not at the mercy of anybody else. And we're certainly not at the mercy of the coronavirus. We're at God's mercy. And God is sovereign. He's in charge. I need to keep pressing that home to your heart. And hopefully today, uh, your heart will be encouraged with that truth. Let me share with you what Dr. John G. Allen of the Menninger Clinic says. He says, uh, On the very low end of the hope spectrum are people who have lost the will to live. Research dating back decades has shown that hopelessness is even more closely associated with suicide than is depression. Did you hear that? People will kill themselves because they're hopeless more often than they will because they are depressed. Hope is the bedrock of getting out of suicidal states, he says. So I don't know what state you're in today, and if you are one of those people who are feeling hopeless today, then, you know, in Jesus' name, we need to find a solution to this. And I believe today we have a solution for that sense of hopelessness that may have gripped your heart. Understand that hopelessness is simply an attack of the devil himself. And Jesus Christ is able to minister to your heart and drive away all hopelessness and fill your heart with peace and with joy and with the assurance that God is in charge. In short, we believe that Jesus Christ is the source of all hope. Hope that enables you to carry on. Hope that enables you to do whatever God wants you to do. So I want you right now in Jesus' name to say, Father, I want this hope that comes from you. Father, forgive me for worrying and for being fearful. Help me now, Lord, to trust in you and in you alone. Amen. Amen. Dr. John G. Allen goes on to say that wishing can be a kind of an escape from reality. We're not talking about wishing for anything. We're talking about about true biblical hope here. Hope is different than wishing because it has to do with facing reality. Hope is, is motivation to stay in the game, to not give up. Now, if you are one of the people today that reads your Bible regularly, then you know that, uh, that a, a critical part of the Christian faith is persevering and not giving up, pressing on. In fact, so much of what the Apostle Paul writes about himself is about how he presses on, how he perseveres, how he doesn't give up. Well, I'm going to tell you, today we need hope to survive, and not just to survive, but to thrive, to be full of joy and to be full of confidence that God is sovereign and in charge. Now, again, you hear me use that word sovereign a lot, and again, I'm going to invite you to look that word up so that you are clear. Basically, what we're saying is that God is the king of the universe. He's in charge, and he knows all about your situation. He knows all about you, and I'm telling you right now that God is leading you. He's guiding you. His will is being done in your life. So that's our, that's our wish. That's our desire if we're followers of Christ. Jesus said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. 
In fact, Jesus tells us to pray every day, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's what we want. So as long as that's your desire and as long as that's how you're living, you have nothing to fear or worry about. Now, the question is this, where does this great hope come from? I want to read to you again Matthew 21, which is the account of the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ coming to Jerusalem. We are reading from Matthew 21, and just before I read it, just let me remind you that Jesus now has been doing ministry for, uh, for almost three years now. He's been doing all kinds of teaching and preaching and ministering and healing, uh, miracles galore. Uh, he has got a, a, a huge reputation. He's known throughout the land, from the north to the south, as the great teacher, Jesus Christ. He is known as the great teacher who, uh, who walks on the water, who feeds the multitude, who raises the dead, uh, who does all kinds of, of miracles. Can I just remind you that when we use that term Christ, it refers to the anointed one, or uh, as, as, as we sometimes say, the Messiah. Uh, the people are beginning to recognize that this is not just any old teacher. He's not just any old rabbi. He, there's something very special about him, and they believe that he is their Messiah. So here we go. We're, Jesus now is really coming to the end of his ministry on this earth. He is coming into Jerusalem, and uh, one week from now, uh, Jesus will be, uh, be going to the cross. Uh, Good Friday is why we celebrate Good Friday, because Jesus is going to the cross and then, of course, the resurrection, which is on Sunday, next Sunday. So let's take a look at this. Uh, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied uh, and with a colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. Now this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They uh, brought the donkey and the colt to him. And they threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And Jesus was in the center of the procession. And the people all around him were shouting, Praise God, the Son of David. Or it might say in your uh, version of the scripture, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So we recognize that there is a massive throng, massive uh, crowd of people who recognize that Jesus is not just any old rabbi or any old teacher. This is the man that they believed was the descendant of David, 
This is the one who will inherit David's throne. This is none other than the Messiah. The people saw Jesus as the heir to David's throne. Hope has filled the air. Hope was intoxicating. People were shouting for joy. They were throwing down palm branches, they were, which is why we call it Palm Sunday. They were throwing down their own garments so that the, the way would be paved, as it were, for Jesus riding on this colt. Hope was riding on a donkey. Think about that. Here is Jesus, the King of Kings, the one that Israel believed was their liberator, the one that would set them free from the tyrannical rule of Rome. Now, before I go further, let me just point this out to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ is always the source of all hope, all real hope. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's the one who gives you hope. Not something to wish for, but something that you know is real. And I'll tell you why in just a few moments. Without Christ, there is no hope. And there is no reason to rejoice. So no wonder the people were so thrilled and so delighted. The Lord Jesus gives us hope and courage to face anything and everything. We know that as long as Jesus Christ is in our life, and leading us, we can indeed face anything in this life. So here's the country of Israel. Think about this for a moment. The country of Israel, occupied by Rome for some years now, and really at the mercy of this foreign power. And Rome was a a cruel, cruel occupying power. They tried to, uh, to extract as, as much taxes out of these poor people. Many people had absolutely nothing to live on. And to make matters worse, there were corrupt Israeli officials who were called tax collectors. They were working on behalf of the occupying power. They were seen as traitors. And not only did they take the, the taxes for Rome, but they actually took some for themselves as well. And so these poor people were really at their wit's end. Talk about economic oppression. Uh, and we're, we're, uh, we're just beginning now to see the effects of the, the economic uh, uh, stresses and pressures of the coronavirus. Well, folks, this is how Israel has been living now for years and years and years. So you could see now Jesus comes along and he, he represents great hope to the people of Israel. So these poor Israelis, they have, in many cases, they've got absolutely nothing to live on. And they're living in poverty, and every move they make is being watched by the occupiers from Rome, and their lives are constantly in danger. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is exactly the way it is when you and I are under the power of Satan. He is a vicious, vicious master. And anyone who has not put their faith in Jesus Christ is under the influence and under the power of Satan himself. Paul tells us that Satan is the god of this world, and as the god of this world, he is also our masters as well. I'm telling you, Satan promises you uh, all all manner of, of happiness and of joy and of satisfaction, And if you've lived for any number of years, you know that he cannot deliver. He has not delivered. He has only delivered unhappiness and sadness. 
A friend of mine from Greece was just telling me how when he talks to some of his friends about the past, they don't want to talk about the past because it's far too painful. Well, folks, that really is the fruit of a life lived under the influence of this world and the God of this world. We, we have no hope until Jesus Christ comes into our lives. This is the game changer. And if you have any doubts about that, well, read about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were happy in the Garden of Eden, blessed walking with God in that garden, enjoying his fellowship, enjoying his company. Satan comes along and he deceives them, entices them with the lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And rather than delivering to them the happiness and the joy that they expected after eating the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were left destitute. They were left without a home. Their, their own relationship was affected. Their, their sons hated each other. By, by chapter 4 of Genesis, you know the story. One, one brother has killed the other. And to make matters even worse, now they are in a broken relationship with God. They don't have access to God anymore. That's what Satan gives you. He destroys your life. He promises you great promise, great joy, but in the end, it's bitterness, it's destruction, and it's death. This is really the state that Israel is living in, a horrible state. And Jesus now has come along, and suddenly you can just see the hope that's filling their hearts and their minds of the possibility of a land free of this oppression. I want this to sink into your heart so that you understand what hope is. These people who had no hope now are beginning to have a glorious hope, a hope of a deliverer, a hope of a savior, of someone who would set them free. Wow, they thought that their biggest problem was that they were being occupied by Rome. What they didn't know is that that was not their biggest problem. And you say, Pastor Allen, how could there be a bigger problem than that? Well, again, it, the people of Israel didn't understand why Jesus came to this earth. Jesus is going to come a second time and he will set up his kingdom. But first, he had to set up his kingdom in the hearts of people. Because here's what you and I need to understand. At the end of the day, we need our hearts renewed. We need to have new hearts. God has got to replace that heart of stone with a heart of flesh. And only Jesus can do that. Jesus came the first time to establish his kingdom, not on earth, but in the hearts of you and me. Think about that. Israel didn't understand who their real enemy was. It wasn't Rome. Rome was their enemy, but that was not, their, that was not the worst enemy. Satan is their worst enemy. Well, Satan is your worst enemy and my worst enemy. And until God is able to, to transform us, through Christ and by his spirit. Folks, we are with hope as well, without hope as well. 
Satan's vicious. He attacks us on every level, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, socially. That's, this, is, this is the fruit of Satan himself. So what will give us hope? What will fill our, hopes, our, heart, our hearts and our minds with hope once again? Only one thing, and that's Jesus. Jesus Christ needs to set you free and me free. I remember when I became a Christian as a young boy. I was uh, eight years old when I first came face to face with the living Lord. Age 10, uh, it, it was so real to me. And I'm telling you, I felt like I could fly because I felt that Jesus Christ had washed away all my sins. And I had a great hope, a great joy, a great gladness. I, I knew that God had washed away my sins. Sadly, there are so many people in church who still don't understand this. They still don't get it. They don't understand that being a Christian means that you have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You walk with him, you know him, you follow him, you obey him. A lot of people, they just go through the motions, they do all the things you're supposed to do, they go through the religious acrobats and they think, well, I've done my bit, I've been kind to God. But I'm going to tell you right now that there is no substitute for this, for this salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. As the, as the preacher in Acts said, there's still no other name under heaven, uh, in, under heaven by which we must be saved, and it's still Jesus Christ. He is still the only one who can give us hope and wash away our sins. So here we are in the midst of this coronavirus and I'm going to tell you, this is not our biggest problem. The economy is not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is, is our own hearts. I believe that we are living in days of apostasy. Uh, people who have grown up in church, people who have confessed Christ, yet their hearts are far from him. And it's disturbing me greatly. And I look around and I think the coronavirus is the least of our problems. Our real problem is that we have lost our hope, we've lost our joy, and it's because we have lost our relationship with Christ. And some have not yet put their faith in Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you right now just to open your heart to God right now and ask God, Lord, is there, search my heart. Know, know what's going on inside me, Lord. Show me those areas in my life where I'm falling short. Because that, folks, really is your real problem. That's the problem that you need to deal with. As wonderful as it would be to have no coronavirus and the economy to, to get back on track again, uh, folks, that's not going to really bring you the joy that you need, and it's not going to bring you the, the hope that you need. What's going to bring you hope and joy is that your life is made right with Christ. So our biggest problem is our own heart, and I'm going to tell you right now that hope begins when we are liberated from Satan's power. And all you have to do is cry out to Jesus. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And in that moment that you do that, great hope will fill your heart and your mind. We are liberated when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. 
Hope is courage. Hope is courage that comes from heaven. And only Jesus Christ can give that to you. Satan can't give it. This world can't give it. Just what Jesus said. He said, I'm giving you a peace that the world cannot give you. This is, this, is, this is our hope, folks. Our hope comes from Christ alone. It's not something you can manufacture. It's not something that you, you can read a book of 10 easy steps on how to have your hope, how to get hope, how to be hopeful. It's supernatural. It's divine. It comes from God. It's infused from heaven and, and dropped into your heart. So the question this, this morning is this. What do we do with this? What, what must I do? in response to this. Because I want this hope. I want to I be able to face each day. I don't want to be gripped by fear. I don't want to be gripped by, by the worries that come from, from a, a, a business that is being threatened or my job that's being threatened or my health that's being threatened. How can I have hope in these dark times? Well, I want you to, to look at, at what we see here. In this passage, look, look, at, look what we read here in Matthew 21, verse 9. It says, Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. Well, just as Israel was oppressed by Rome, so we are at times oppressed and tempted to despair. We need to do what Israel did. We need to look to Jesus. I, I read this verse and my heart's just filled with so much joy. Jesus was in the center of the procession and the people all around him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. It's amazing what happens when we turn our eyes upon Jesus. How can we remain hopeful? Do what do this crowd did. Look to Jesus. When we know Jesus Christ, when we embrace him as our Lord and Savior, folks, a wonderful thing happens. A supernatural hope fills our hearts and our minds. But I gotta tell you, this, this bleeds, this, we, we can lose it if we don't stay connected to our master, if we don't continue the habit of a daily walk with God, if we're not careful to pray and read our Bibles every day and allow the Spirit of God to work in us. If we, if we fail to respond to Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is the Word of God, then we are, we're going to miss out on that hope. But when you look to Jesus... When you see Jesus in your midst, when you're reading his word, your heart then is filled with hope. This is my God. This is my Savior. This is the one who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. He's the one that's going to bring me through. Think about it. In fact, I would, I would suggest that you need to read through the Gospels do that. You've got nothing else to do. Get your Bible out and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's, they're very brief books. It's not, it won't take you a long time to do it. But read them again and look for Jesus. And look for the ways that he ministers. 
He's the one that fed the multitudes. He's the one that raised the dead. He's the one that healed the sick. He's the one that walked on the water. He's the one that calmed the storm. He is the one who gave us words of life. He is the one who died on the cross for your sins and for mine. He's the one that arose from the dead. This is Jesus, the source of our hope. Now listen, if you've embraced this Jesus and this Jesus is your Lord and he's the one you're following, then I can tell you that you are going to have great hope great hope and peace in your life, great assurance, great calm, because you know whom you have believed it and you are persuaded that he is able to keep that which has been committed to him against that day. Do what the people of Israel were doing on that day when Jesus came into Jerusalem. Look to him, know him, love him, embrace him. And worship him. Declare, oh God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for my Messiah. Thank you for the one who is setting me free from my sin. Thank you for the one who gives me new life in Christ. I don't know what, you're, what kind of worship songs you're singing or listening to. Maybe it's time for you to pull out a, the old hymn book. And start reading some of those hymns. I mean, you don't have to sing them, but read, read these great hymns of the faith. These, some of these uh, hymns are, are hundreds of years old, but it declares who Jesus is and who we are in Christ. It declares that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Folks, this is a thing that gives us hope. Worship Jesus Christ, the Son of David, and let hope rise in your heart. So how do you, how do you remain hopeful? Again, look to Jesus Christ. Secondly, worship him and praise him. Recognize what he has done for you. Thirdly, remain in his presence. As long as these people were in the presence of Jesus, they're shouting, they're rejoicing, they're singing, they're happy. You've heard uh, the Apostle Paul say, pray without ceasing. He's talking about remaining in the presence of Almighty God. Wherever you go, talk to Jesus. People might wonder and think you're a little bit crazy if you're talking and muttering to yourself, but what they don't know is you're talking to Jesus who is walking with you. And, and Jesus is going to get you through whatever it is that you're going through right now. Be sure that Jesus remains the center of the procession. Remain, that he remains the center of your life. That he is number one. That you are having conversations with your family and with your friends. That Jesus Christ remains at the very center of it all. It's so easy to be distracted by the things of this world. Hey, I don't even listen to the news right now. I don't, I don't want to hear any more about the coronavirus. It's all in God's hands. What I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on Christ. And I'm going to rejoice and be glad that I belong to him. He belongs to me. I'm part of his family. He's in charge. I have nothing to worry about. You know, I have experienced uh, Christ's work in my life. I have experienced his, it, uh, the power of, of, of his, redemptive, his redemption, his redemptive power. 
to set me free from sin and make me a brand new creation. I belong to him now. I'm his, he is mine, and I am going to just rest in that. Will you? It's time for you to embrace hope once again. A hope that is, is more powerful than any antidepressant. A hope that's more powerful than winning the lottery. A hope that's more, more powerful than, than seeing the coronavirus wiped out. A hope that gives you the, the, the confidence to, to carry on, to walk forward, and to be joyful. Here's what the Apostle Paul said to the Roman church. The Christians in Rome needed a word of encouragement, and here's what he said. I pray, and this is my prayer for you, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Did you see that? Connected to that hope is that joy and peace. Really, that is the, that's the evidence that you have hope, that you can carry on from day to day. And then Paul says, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hey, if you want to know what a Christian looks like, this is it. This is what a Christian looks like. Underline that in your Bible, Romans 15, 13. Maybe you need to write it on a paper and put it on your wall or on your fridge, but you need to be reminded that Jesus Christ, who is our God, he is the source of hope, and he will fill us completely with joy and peace. So stop worrying. Stop fretting. Stop being fearful. Get your Bible out. Start reading the Gospels. Start speaking to Jesus. Start rejoicing. Every time you find something that thrills your heart, just rejoice and to praise him. Maybe uh, husbands and wives, you need to do this together. Do it with your children. But I'm telling you right now that every believer in Jesus Christ should be filled with hope. And it's all yours through Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the hope that's ours through Christ. We don't have to worry about our business. We don't have to worry about our job or about our finances. We don't need to worry, God, about our health. We don't need to worry about these things because our, our Lord, our Savior, our God has filled us with peace and joy. And God, you're going to lead us through this. You're going you're to teach us the things we need to learn and you are going to meet our needs. You're going to guide us and help us. And God, very supernaturally, you're going to fill our hearts with joy that comes from you. So, Father, we thank you this morning for the hope of Jesus Christ. For those of us who are Christians, when we read about Jesus coming to Jerusalem, we see, we see the Messiah who's come to establish his kingdom in our hearts. And, Father, today we pray that, that some would be born again. And those who maybe have backslidden, today would be the day when they would hear the voice of the master calling them home. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, let a revival break out amongst us as, as we turn to you in this time of crisis. And may our hearts be filled with joy, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen.